You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, you're listening to Queen's Podcast. I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler from the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Katie and Nathan asked us to let you know that there's going to be some cursing in this episode. Yeah, motherfuckers. Dude, don't swear during the disclaimer. That defeats the whole purpose. Ah, sh- Oh, you're doing it again. So if you don't like cursing, you probably shouldn't listen. But you know what? We think this episode is going to be good, so you should keep going. Oh, yeah, bitches. Son of a bitch. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Hey, Nathan. What's going on, Katie? I'm good. How's your quarantine? I think this is like day number 40 for me. Uh, day number Tinkapa. Um, yeah. I day number Tinkapa. am drinking wine. <laughs> oh, delicious. I I have given myself limits. Like I've Because I was getting to the point where I was drinking pretty much every day. Not like getting shit-faced or anything, but, you know, just like... Oh, well, I'm done with work. Close my laptop. Last hey, one. I got. Yeah. And so um, I told myself, and I'm really proud of myself. I did it this week, only drinking two days of the week. So this week I chose yesterday and today. Yesterday I got, I ran away with it, which was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's, that's kind of how I've been like all week, <laughs> which I mean, we have a cocktail for this episode, but I'm like, Oh, I don't think I can handle vodka right now. I didn't, I need to take, yeah. it, I need to take it real slow. <laughs> I, I, um, you sent me the cocktail recipe and we have been doing um, grocery store curbside pickup once a week, and we'd already done the curbside pickup for that week. And I didn't, I didn't need to go to the grocery store, so I don't want to add to the lines and stuff at the grocery store no if point. I don't need food. No so I went to the liquor store, and I made do. I made it as well as I could with what I could find at the liquor store and the convenience store next to the liquor store. I mean, store. it is it is a a special time in everybody's lives. Yes. <laughs> so you have so, to just make do. Whenever the quarantine's you to- over, you can actually make this recipe. <laughs> yes. So today we are talking about a woman named Joan of Navarre. She was both the Duchess of Brittany and the Queen of England, and she is following in our trend of like more obscure uh, women who at one point in their life had uh, some time in quarantine. So since we already mentioned that we have a cocktail for this episode, Nathan, what are, what should we be drinking? This, what we be drinking... Bitch, mm-hmm. it's Joan. Um, so it's a half a lime, <laughs> two slices of cucumber, some mint leaves, vodka, soda water, honey hibiscus syrup. If you can't do that, I just recommend putting a little stevia or and some fruit. Um, if you're healthy, if you're nasty like me, put some sugar in it with some fruit and just blend that bitch <laughs> up. Um, and then you just like garnish it with a little bit of cucumber. So muddle up some of the cucumber with the vodka, strain it. And then mix the rest of our cucumber with the mint, muddle that up, put some vodka in it, strain it, and then mix the rest of the ingredients together. And you got it's Joan, bitch. Is that what it's called? It's Joan, bitch? I'm calling it that, motherfucker. <laughs> I, um, so I went to the liquor store and I found cucumber flavored vodka. And, oh, that'll work. Um, yeah, and then we had um, some mint, you know, like those little like crystal light packets. Okay, and we, we had like a mint flavored one of those, and um, you're getting real creative. We had, <laughs> yeah, we had we have agave, and then I um, also got some a, a lime flavored sparkling water. It's 
I think once I'm done with this serving, I'm going to go to just the vodka and soda. Um, <laughs> the, crystal light, the crystal light seems like it may throw it off. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too much mint, to be honest. Yeah. So I look forward to making this cocktail for real <laughs> once, once the world if it ever resumes normalcy. Yeah. And if it doesn't guys just pick up the ingredients your next time you're at your grocery store with your fucking mask on and your fucking gloves. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, you know, you know how, so we finally got like our masks in and stuff. And you know how, when you're like at the grocery store and you like accidentally, like, you know, lock eyes with somebody and you both like do that awkward smile at each other. No one can see you doing the awkward <laughs> smile now. <laughs> But I still do it because, you know. I know. I, I've, been, I've been thinking like kids that are under the age of 21 could buy alcohol and then, then be like, let me see your ID. And it's like, bitch, half my face is covered. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then they're like, take off your mask and be like, I can't. I'm sorry. I don't want to get I sick. Can't. And then just and run out the door. Tea. I mean, this yeah. seems like a prime time for underage drinking. Like, come on. You come. heard it here first. It's Queen's <laughs> podcast. Nathan promotes underage no. drinking. Katie, no. <laughs> hey, watch out for underage drinking. Those bitches are hiding behind masks. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Joan. So, uh, Joan of Navarre was born probably around 1368 in, go figure, Navarre. Oh, my God. Um, Who would have thought? I know. Navarre is now part of Spain. It's like uh, the northern part of Spain, and it's like right on the border with southern France. Mm -hmm. But back then, it was like its own damn thing. Yeah. And her dad was the king of Navarre. Her dad, Charles II of Navarre, which I kind of want to like dive into <laughs> on Patreon sometime <laughs> soon because Bull. he is a train wreck of a person. I think that's an understatement. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Charles of Navarre uh, was her dad and her mom was uh, Joan of Valois, which means Valois is the royal family in France. So, so her they bougie. Right. She bougie. Okay. Her maternal, her maternal grandparents are like the king and queen of France. Um, so she's well connected amongst the European royal houses. So she was born into the timeline that we call the Hundred Years' War. So we also talked about this time in European history before with um, Jaquetta Luxembourg and Isabeau Bavaria. Um, so there's going to be a little bit of crossover, which is always kind of cool to have like, yeah. oh, remember in that episode? A different per yeah, and I think it is cool to have like a different perspective of the same events. Yeah. So this was a time when England and France were at war with each other. You know, it was like off and on, off and on, you know, like that couple that keeps breaking up. And For a hundred years. Yeah. It's like that couple that keeps breaking up and getting back together. It's like England and France over a hundred years. It's like, just fucking <laughs> make a decision. Who gives a fuck? So Navarre was on the border of Southern France. So mm -hmm. let's, let's dive right into her dad right quick. Right. Char Charlie he is a nut. He's a nut. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He goes down in history with the nickname Charles the Bad. So yeah, I wouldn't call her childhood stable. That would sound like you a really a good rap name though. Charles the Bad. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm <laughs> dipping into my white privilege. That is not a good rap name. <laughs> anyway, Char Charles started shit with everyone. No one was safe from Charles II of Navarre deciding that their lands were his lands. Oh yeah, he started shit with like Castile, Normandy, Burgundy, and the French kings. Like bitch, like slow down. Hold on, Charlie. And those are like. Like the French kings are like his family by marriage, and like his marriage to Joan, Mama Joan, was supposed to meet, like, was supposed to calm him down. Like, okay, now you're part of the family, so quit trying to start war with us. And he was just like, psych! <laughs> I love war. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, and also him and so Charles and Joan of Valois are also first cousins twice removed. So, so that's not cool, 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 cool. Mm-hmm. I guess it's okay. Eh. So yeah, but it doesn't make for having a dad that's such an antagonizing figure to like an entire continent of people doesn't really set the groundwork for like a stable upbringing yeah yeah and it doesn't help that your dad's literally trying to kill everybody else (laughs) so mama's family like we said was from france and they're super fucking bougie and super fucking royal and jones jones mom as we know with royal family um her mom's name was let me see if i can say it right joan um, mm-hmm, and yep. Mama Joan's dad was <clears throat> John. Yes. And he was John, the second of France. So if yes. you listen to our Isabeau Pefaria series, you probably remember Charles the Sixth and all of his like superpower hungry uncles. So yeah, Charles the Sixth is Mama Joan's nephew and and those and those power hungry brothers are her fucking brothers. So like Charles the sixth of France, Isabeau Bavaria's husband is Joan of Navarre's first cousin. Yes. And so his uncles that were like running the show for him and stuff are also Joan. Oh my God. Incest is so confusing. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's not really incest though. That's just having uncles. Everybody's always just related in our story. Everyone's always related. Somehow Joan and Navarre is probably related to those uncles distantly. And it just confuses the fuck out of me. Well, no, they're her actual uncles. Ah, ah. (laughs) They're just actually just like her regular normal uncle. I I know. First. (laughs) The brain. So, growing up, we have to imagine that their family life wasn't necessarily peaceful because, you know, dad, no. dad's a dick. So, dad, dad's a war dick. He's yeah. the biggest fucking war dick. So, we have and no idea how Mama Joan felt about anything. But Like, Char- Charles II of Navarre, like, literally tried to have her brothers murdered <laughs> over like some land that he thought that he was his or whatever. He's doing and bonkers. Just like, like I like kept reading about him was like, what the, what the I'm just imagining if my husband tried to have my brothers murdered, <laughs> I don't think it would go like it wouldn't like enhance our relationship. No, but I, I don't think it would be a healthy marriage if it did enhance your relationship. Like, oh, thanks, honey, you killed my brother. Let's go bone. Like that's not that's not unless you're on an episode of Snapped. That's not what happens. Yeah, but sadly, Mama Joan died when our Joan was somewhere between like three and five. She most likely died in childbirth because Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was the done thing. Um, Daddy never married again, so that leads some people to think, oh, maybe he there was genuine affection mm-hmm. with the couple. Maybe he did love his wife, but also maybe it was like. All the royalty of Europe looked around and was like, I'm not marrying my daughter off to your crazy ass. You know? I think that's what um, probably happened. I think we covered this in our Patreon episode with the Tarums where there was like crazy like kings that yeah. parents would be like, eh, no, I really don't want my daughter to marry that, that fucking dude. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. So her education... We don't know we don't know a whole whole lot. There's just not a lot documented on it. But I have to assume, um, I made like kind of an educated guess with that I would think it would be better than um the average female education at this time sure. because um so England and France practice this thing called Slavic law. And what it meant was that women couldn't inherit um, any like titles or anything. And you also could not inherit through 
the female line. But hold up, Katie. Navarre didn't abide by this rule. Navarre, none of Spain mm-hmm. abides by this rule. That's how, like, if you listen to our episode, like, Isabel Castile. Yeah, she was, yeah. like, the powerful rule She inherited. Yeah. yeah, and her sister inherited. And, like, it was just not a big deal. So even though she had a couple of older brothers, or brothers in general, um, it's still, you know, it's the Middle Ages. People die from stubbing their toe or whatever. So while she wasn't like high up in the hierarchy to inherit the throne, it might happen. So I have to assume her and her sisters would have had a better better education than just like reading, writing, arithmetic. You know what I mean? Yeah. She would have been a little bit more on the cutting edge of education where she- And again, this is all guessing. Yes. This is all guessing. I couldn't find really anything about her education, but I would just have to assume. I mean, I don't want to spoil or alert it, but later on you find out, oh, this woman's really smart. So we have to think that she got a good education from the beginning. So when she was really young, she had her first engagement, like young, young, like Three years old. She was engaged to the King of Castile's son. But then her dad went and tried to like claim fucking Castile as his own, and shit hits the fan because obviously you don't soured relationships. You're not like, oh now Castile's mine. My daughter's marrying your son, and Castile is mine. He's bonkers. Like he's just he is absolutely yeah, I, I do look forward to researching him some more for like maybe a Patreon episode or something because he just sounds like a train wreck. <laughs> oh, Lord, the crazy train. Um, But yeah, so the king of Castile was like, well, nope, cutting this the fuck off, which understandably. So our young beauty of the ripe old age of three, she bounces back. All the single babies, all the single single babies, babies. all the single babies. (laughs) Oh my god. So at the ripe old age of four, she's single again, girl. She's ready to mingle. But put your hands up. Oh my mingle. All my single babies. All my single babies. All my single babies. (laughs) When she's about like 13 or so, she's taken hostage by her uncles in France. Um, now when we say she was taken hostage, it sounds scarier than it is because it's, she, (laughs) it was her uncles. It was like her, her mother's brothers took her and her, two of her brothers hostage. So can we say it was like, quote unquote, hostage? I mean, they were never in real danger and I'm sure they were living like with their uncles and bougie ass palaces. It's not like... Like when we talked about um, Henry II of uh, like Diane de Poitiers' boo, mm-hmm. he was taken hostage whenever he was yeah. a, a young child. He was kept in shitty. That's different. Quality. This is like you're kept He's- in hostage. Go to the courtyard and have a cup of tea. And yeah, look no, they- butterflies. You should be ashamed I- of yourself. <laughs> I imagine like um, there's again. Everything I found just said that this, she was taken hostage and it doesn't really um, elaborate on how long, but that they were treated well. So I imagine, I be- my educated guess is that she was there for about like two or three years in France. And I bet she probably found it like some peace and fucking quiet. Yeah, like, I honestly think she was like, hmm, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, well, one of her brothers, like when they were like finally, like basically the uncles took the children hostage um, and to make Charles II act right. Like don't attack France. We might hurt your children. They had no intention of ever hurting their children, his children. Cause they were, you know, their niece and nephews. But um, one of her brothers after they were, le- were released, he was like, nah, I'm just like him. And uh, the King, the, the child King, Charles the sixth, like had become best friends and ended up being best friends for the rest of their lives. And so he was just like, no, I'm going to stay here. I'm French now. Wee oui, wee. Oui. And so obviously I don't think they were treated bad if one of the brothers decides to just be French now, you know? Yeah. No. So um, 
Yeah. So educated guess is that they were there for like maybe two or three years. Okay. Um, it's not a whole lot is documented. And the reason my, that's my guess is because about the time that she gets back to Navarre, um, she like immediately is, has like a new marriage lined up. And basically mm-hmm. I think her uncles were like, we're not going to send you back to your crazy daddy until we have this marriage alliance set up. Yeah. Because I mean, she's like, she's like a super pretty girl. Mm-hmm. We really don't know what she looked like, but we really have to. Everything uh, says she was pretty. Yeah. We have to assume that she is pretty. So she's super pretty. Yeah. She's got like the most royal blood ever. Um, she's super sweet, but no one wants to make an alliance with you because you have a fucking crazy dad. Exactly. <laughs> so the uncle is like, step in and make sure that, you know, okay, we're going to get this bitch a rockin' marriage and we're going to set her up. Yes. And that they did. Um, by the time she made it back home to Navarre, they had arranged a marriage for her to the newly widowed Duke of Brittany. Brittany is like another province of France that paid homage to the French king. But this duke is a dude named John. Another John. (laughs) He was also Earl of Richmond and Richmond's in England. Um, So like being that this is smack dab in the middle of the Hundred Years War and this guy is both somehow like French and English they were like, we want to, like, make this guy – we want this guy to be our friend because then maybe he'll lean more towards our side. And then also it d- isn't a bad idea to have someone who, like, has the no of the English court. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's learn a little bit more about hubby number one. John, the Duke of Brittany. Let- He's been married twice before. Um, Both were English women. Neither one of those marriages gave him any children. So most people would say, is he barren? I mean, in our modern day. Well, his, his, yeah, (laughs) his first marriage, his first marriage, they, like, they were only married, like, two weeks before she died or something. So that... That's kind of like when you see on paper, oh, he had two wives before and never had any kids. Um, A lot of people could think that. But since the first one, she died. Well, first of all, they were like engaged when they were children. And then she died super young right after they got married. So So John was brought up at the English court and was closely related to all the English family, but also kind of paid fealty to France. So here we go. He's kind of like. He's kind of like a. Yeah, he's kind of like a unicorn at the time. Like, both friends with France and England. It's weird. John pretty much seems cool, and he was like 30 years older than Joan, which... mm, Gross. uh, But pretty normal, which is still disgusting. And they didn't wait. They didn't wait until she was like 18 to get married, so they did wait. They did. Yeah, Yeah, she was... I think she was like... (laughs) <laughs> 17 and a half or we don't know her exact birthday but, but she was like she it, wasn't like 12 that makes something. it less creepy it's still creepy <clears throat> but it's i like, bet she was just happy true. to get out of navarre with her shit show of a father yeah so like we said john had been married twice before with no children and both of those marries marriages appear to be happy with like no drama but he did like mourn the loss of his wives which was pretty customary of the time but what we're getting at is that on paper, there's a lot of worse guys that she should be with or could be with, like, her, you know, her, I mean, her I dad agree. is somebody that's worse. But, yes. <laughs> but she like, could be with I feel like guy. Exactly. And I feel like the fact that he, like, legitimately mourned both of his wives and stuff, even though those were also arranged marriages, kind of shows that um, he didn't just view women as a a gateway to babies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were, they were like, I feel like we don't know that much about his personality or anything, but I just feel like that is shows that he had some good traits. Yeah. Agreed. 
An envoy from Brittany came to pick up Joan and her, and John was married by proxy first. If you're new to this, getting married by proxy is like this super strange thing that sounds weird, but it's just basically like somebody stands in for you at a wedding and you're yes. not there, but it's legally binding. So More yeah, like so like they each have their own ceremonies, like at the same day and the same time, and somebody would stand in uh, and pretend to be your spouse, like that, like they'd have a whole wedding and everything, and so and it was like you said, it was legally binding, but I thought it was kind of weird in this case because um, a lot of times they would do this when it's like okay, the couple can't actually for whatever reason move to the same country together or be together for the next two years or something like that. Or like there's some like really pressing matter between these two countries. That's only going to be solved by this marriage or something. And like something super time sensitive, but they were married in person like six days later so i don't understand what was the point of the proxy marriage it was probably her crazy dad or maybe she's a reason to have a party yeah okay okay (laughs) i mean i mean i am let's be real everybody's been in quarantine and they are ready for a party so i mean yes uh, at a certain point it's like one party why not have two uh hello exactly so joan hops on the boat and um, is in Brittany a few days later, and then they're married for real, for real. And I feel like that is a good place to take a little break, top off our drinks, and then we'll come back and talk some more about Joan. Do you, are you are you feeling thirsty, Nathan? You need to top off your drink? I'm always thirsty. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Okay, so after um, Joan and John hook up, we learn real quick, John of Brittany's uh, fertility problem was nothing on his side. Uh, No, because like, Joan is pregnant. Bam, she's pregnant. She looked him in the the eyes and she was like, "Mm, I'm pregnant. Pregnant. How'd that happen? About a year after their first wedding anniversary, she gives birth to a little girl that they name Joan. Quick side note. I feel like like we could make a drinking episode off of this. Anytime we say Joan or John, take a drink. Oh my God. So Joan. (laughs) Drink responsibly. Joan is named Joan, obviously. Joan's mother is named Joan. <laughs> so John, her husband. Him. Oh my god. John, her husband, is the male form of the name Joan. And his mother was named Joan. <laughs> and all of our listeners have alcohol poisoning. Yes. <laughs> now you're all fucked up. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in. 
John, did you, um, in your research, did you go down any rabbit holes about John's family at all? Because his mother, Joan, was actually, like, there's not enough information to do, like, an episode on her, but she might be, like, an interesting short Patreon episode. She actually um, was named Joan, as we mentioned, but she was declared insane and, like, was, like, locked up. Oh, no, I haven't gone down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that much research on it, but I was just like, oh, put a pin in that. I'm going to come read about that later because what? Yeah. I think it's because she had a vagina and she wanted to be in power. So must be crazy. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so fucking true. So needless to say, this pair is fertile because you guys are all fucked up because we played a drinking game called John and Joan. John and Joan and Joan and John. (laughs) And John and Joan got it on. And they had babies on babies on babies on babies. Katie, you need to stop because you're hilarious. (laughs) So that noise was. I'm sorry for making that noise. (laughs) You made it again. So... (laughs) The month after Little Joan's first birthday, bam, she gets a baby, and it's named Isabella. And then, sadly, uh, December 1388, baby Joan, age one, and baby Isabella, age three, both die. I think whooping cough, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, so most people assume, like, there was some kind of bug going around the palace to take them both, like, on the same week. But also, medieval causes, they may have just died because uh, of medieval back, causes. Yeah, yeah, they just, like, got a splinter. Yeah, like, <laughs> back then, people just fucking died all the time, especially babies. But can you imagine two babies like within the same week like i know oh back find then, me find me in the fucking well like drinking two gallons I of wine and crying this poor woman because uh, and her husband because it seems like he was pretty cool um like just two babies and the same at the same time it just that uh, that has to take it out of you you know yeah but by the following december they have a brand new shiny baby. Babies on babies on babies. <laughs> and this one's a little boy. And his name, Nathan, what's his name? <clears throat> John. Oh! <laughs> Bitches! <laughs> we're not, like, people just were not creative with names back then. <laughs> and so this goes on, like, for this for, like, the next few years. So they go on to have, like, six more children who all survive into adulthood. And pretty much a baby every year or every other year just keeps, like, flying out her poussois. Poussois? Her poussois. Because it is eloquent. (laughs) (laughs) Her eloquent poussois. (laughs) Yeah, I said it. I'm going to start saying that now. I'm going (laughs) to... No one's going to know what the fuck I'm talking about, but um, that's fine. They don't need to to know I'm talking about my genitalia. It's fine. Um, So, side note, we don't know where this fits in, but um, her dad ends up dying like this, like, super bonkers death. Absolutely crazy death. It's so fitting for him, too. Like, the more I learned about her father, Charles the Bad, the more that, like, when I read this bonkers death, I was like... HBO can't make this shit up. Like, this is bananas. So, like, it was back then, if you had, like, skin issues or something like that, it was quasi-common treatment that they would dip a bunch of linen in, like, some kind of alcohol and then, like, wrap you up real tight in that linen. And I guess they thought that, like you know, the cleaning properties of the alcohol would soak into you. Well, I don't really I mean, know. if you, if you may, if you try to like flip it on that, if you have some sort of like bacterial infection on your yeah, skin and you absolutely. wrap it in alcohol, I bet that works, but it doesn't sure. work if you don't have a bacterial infection. 
Yeah. But anyway. so what happened was, and this made me think of in the Isabeau of Bavaria episode when they accidentally burnt those people to death. Um, Whoops. Some like, some like maid or something like leaned in too close, like was trying to get a good look at him to like fix his bed or whatever. And like the candle dropped or whatever. And he burnt to death and he couldn't like get out of his um, mummification or what the fuck. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I don't mean to laugh at this because no one's death is funny, but this guy was just, crazy and he was already like, nuts and he like wrapped himself in alcohol. It's like how befitting of a psychopath to just I know. burn to when death. When I first read this, I was like, well, this must be one of those like, um, you know, tall tales that people tell about like, pe- but no, it seems like this guy died wrapped up in his bed burnt to death he burnt to death dracarys he's like a fucking targaryen so <laughs> so that's wackadoodle and um anyway we don't know how i don't know how joan reacted i don't know when she got the news we have nothing about joan and his death and like together but it just seemed like an interesting side note that i wanted to Talk about. <laughs> random ass death yay yes yay. <laughs> so during her time as a duchess of Brittany, she was the ideal duchess y'all people like john hit the fucking jackpot with her because like not only was she fertile af and he needed mm-hmm. some heirs mm-hmm. she also played like that courtly game really really well you know what i mean well i mean that is super important at the time if you especially if you're a royal woman yes like we talked about it a little bit in several episodes with the best example of it going wrong that i can think of is you know in the jane seymour episode Mm -hmm. whenever um henry was wanting to kill some people and jane seymour was like oh this is this is my role to be like show mercy on them and it like totally backfired on her uh joan did that a lot except like it went right for her like and it there was you know there was a lot of warring because medieval time in france and all these duchies that like are constantly bickering with each other and so there's like a bunch of times where john was like I don't actually want to like execute all these fucking people, but they were dicks and I can't look like I'm weak. And so then Joan rolls in and like in front of a big group of people throws herself on her knees, probably all big and pregnant. Cause she has like 10 kids and like 11 years or whatever. So of course her husband doesn't want to like kill those people because her big yeah. pregnant wife just like threw herself like, at her oh, feet. So I think this is where they got that courtly like drama. Well, no, that was just, um, that was just the expected role in like medieval times but of a queen played, or a and she, she played, played it so it. well. Yeah. She played it really well, and John played it really well with her. They were like a really good power couple, mm-hmm. and so she was fertile. She like had the respect of the Britain people, um, and she like, ended up accompanying John on at least one trip abroad to England to do like a little short progress with this king that we have to name Richard the <laughs> second. Yeah. We talked about him on Patreon a little bit more in depth, but, um, so we're not Richard the second grew up together. Like, yeah. um, cause John was raised in England. So that was like his childhood BFF basically. So we're not sure when she had time to do this shit with, you know, having all them babies, babies on babies, um, on babies, on babies. but we from being said like that... early in a pregnancy, <laughs> Yeah, right. She was a proactive duchess and, you know, she was an asset to her husband and she learned a lot about governing and what she learned a lot how to do was sweet talking and keeping both sides of the family happy. Yes, absolutely. Um, Unlike some other queens we've discussed, I really don't think Joan had any interest in ruling in her own right. You know, no, I don't think so either. I, I think she knew. Her, um, I, I don't want to say this in a mean way, but she knew her place at the time. Like yeah. she was like, "I'm gonna pull the strings behind the scene and just let everything happen." I think she was a smart gal. I don't. Yeah, like I just don't. 
And that's not good or bad. Like some people aren't like, I'm not yeah. trying to be president, you know, like yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Some people should not be president. Um, and oh. yes. Um, <laughs> but no, so she was, Joan was never at any point trying to get power for herself. She just wanted to like support the people around her and I think um, the citizens of Brittany saw that and respected it. And um, I don't think at any point, I think she was just like the ideal model of a duchess at the time in the public eye. Yeah. Would you agree? Agreed. Yeah. So crossover alert. I love it when we have crossovers. So we know that in 1396 that the couple attended the wedding of Isabella of Valois to Richard II, the psychopath of England. Yes. And again, we talked about this event in the Isabella Bavaria episode. So here we go with some incest. <clears throat> Isabella <laughs> was Joan's second cousin, while Richard was John's cousin from blood and through marriage. Because, like, both his first wife was Richard II's first cousin. Oh, my God. It's just, like, yeah. fucking incest. Everybody's related. Everyone's related to everyone. It's like Oprah being like, everybody gets a car, but everyone's related. And then they all start but vomiting. I- <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool, though, because there's so few times when we can, like, without a doubt, place two of our queens and the exact same location, except for Henry VIII's queens, because there were so many, so much overlap there. Um, yeah, but so like this one, it ma- it made me think of how cool it was when we were doing. We we had done Diane de Poitiers, and then it was like a few months later we did Anne Boleyn, and I was like, oh, they were ladies in waiting to the same queen in France, so you could place them at the same events and stuff like that. So I had the same kind of fun with this, like placing them. At this at this wedding. Oh together. yeah, absolutely. I wonder what they thought of each other. Like, I couldn't find anything about like what did Isabel of Bavaria? No, no I and mean, you're no, not going to find that in Google search because those bitches were like on fleek. They didn't say on, anything. Yes. They didn't but do I, anything. They're just like, oh, my husband's doing the right thing. I would have. I would have loved to know what, because um, at that point Charles the Sixth had already gone a little bit nuts, so I would have loved to known um, the Duke and Duchess of Brittany's opinion on um, his kingship. But anyway, we have digressed. <laughs> Let's get back. Major. Anyway, so, sadly, in thirteen ninety nine, Duke John dies. And we're super bummed about this because, like, like he was such a good husband, and he was. like he promised her, like, "I'll love you to the end of time." Like, if this shit was like the Notebook, bitch. Like, you couldn't always. You're not back when people with these arranged marriages. It could have gone so much worse for her. Yeah, and so, her son's only like ten years old, so that's yeah. like a little bit scary for her. Like to be like, yeah. my child's like still a baby and we have skipped we skipped over that whenever her husband john became the duke of Brittany, it was after quite a long battle of succession so for all she knew having a son that was so young could have revived that battle of succession of like the um other yeah. people that thought that they had a claim to Brittany being like, well, a child can't roll and swooping in. So it must have been a really scary and sad time for Joan. So, 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 John leaves Joan a very rich widow. Yes. So stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks, y'all. I mean, it was pretty custom at the time to leave your wife with a pension and to like, couple lands here and there to make sure that after you die she wasn't like poor they had kids that were gonna like take care of her so he really didn't have to leave her that much but But he he did did. (laughs) (laughs) i think he was secretly like 
maybe if I set her up well enough, she won't have to remarry again. So she'll never have to love another man again. I don't think it was so much about like loving another man, but back then, you know, like for women, um, marriage was a security blanket, you know? And so I think it's more she, like she also grew up in Navarre where women inherited the line. Of yeah. Succession. So he wanted to, I think he just wanted to make sure that she, I don't think he was like, I hope she never loves again, but I think he wanted to make sure that she was taken care of if she chose not to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So guess what else he left her, Katie? What did he leave her, Nathan? The Regency, bitch. Oh, shit! Regency! Because their son was 10, so obviously he couldn't... Yeah, this is a big fucking deal. Like, this is nothing to, like, write home about. Yeah, I mean, we hear about it a lot in our show. Like, that um, widows are left as the Regency for their sons. But it wasn't a given. It wasn't, like, assumed. Like, it was... Like uh, a pa- a king passing away could just as easily leave the regency to like yeah. one of like his brothers or something like that. So the fact that he left it to Joan just goes to show my wife is capable. She is capable of doing this. Was what he thought. Yes. 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 I think that's <laughs> what every wife needs right now. She is fine. She is capable. She, she can is carry capable. on on her own. Free. You can. You can roll this duchy, baby. You got this. (laughs) So, after her hubby's death, Joan made sure to throw him one ballin' ass funeral, motherfuckers. (laughs) It was, it was like a big fucking deal. And I mean, it would have been a big deal for like the Duke's funeral, but it was like, to the point where I think some people were being like, well, that was a little much. <laughs> oh, maybe they went a little too far with the fireworks and the pigeons. Yes, uh, yes. Maybe we didn't need the ice statue of his body, but okay. Um, <laughs> but no, like the reason for doing that, are you okay? No, hashtag too real. the reason for doing that was to also show because like i said there were other people kind of just waiting for them to make a misstep so that they could come in and be like no actually we're the dukes of britney Mm -hmm. so it's like showing them oh no we've got so much money that we're gonna spend it on bullshit stuff for this funeral we've got the backing of the King of France, a.k.a. my cousin. We got the backing of Navarre, a.k.a. my brother. You know, um, it was to show, it was a status yeah. move. And then he, she had this alabaster tomb made for him that was just like gaudy. But again, it was like to show... Like, we are so powerful. Don't fuck with us. Look at our alabaster. She's got, she's got like, laser lights and everybody's, yes. like, like Absolutely. Laser shows with, like, festival music. Like, Absolutely. I'm, trying, I'm totally trying to be hip with the times, yo. DJ Khaled <laughs> definitely produced this funeral. 100%. Oh, my God. His tomb was actually there, um to be gawked at and for people to be like, how gaudy up until the French revolution. Like it's just kind of a bummer. I mean, I get what the revolutionaries were doing, but we lost so much art during the French revolution. Why? Why? Uh, Because royalty. So then next thing's next. She's got to have her son crowned Duke. Cause duh. Gotta get a coronation up in this bitch. Hello. John, Joan's son, John, was the first Duke of Brittany to have a peaceful handoff of power in a couple of generations. So, the Breton Battle of Successions had been going on for, like, at least 30 years. Um, And the other side had claimed Brittany as their own and didn't have any, like, baby Duke John. Yeah, (laughs) they were like, no, we're not... This 10-year-old, what are you talking about? So she's like, no, we got to get this. We got to get him coronated once he's been, once he's got like the oil of God on his forehead or whatever. (laughs) Safe. 
I don't understand coronations clearly. But. <laughs> That's what it, it's, it's like the anointed got, oil of God, he's got, right? He's got Jesus God oil. oil. He's got Jesus, he's got Jesus oil. oil. He's got Jesus oil on his forehead and chest and head, shoulders, knees, and toes, or something. Queen, and Queen's podcast recipes: saute, 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 coronate. A royal saute some Jesus. Jesus oil with some onion and some garlic and put it in some pasta. We're done. Put it on your head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Now you can. <laughs> oh my god, pasta recipes. Anyway, anyway, yeah. <laughs> but so Joan was really instrumental in pulling off this um, peaceful succession, and there were some dudes that like came for the the dukedom or whatever. That she, I bet they did come for the dukedom. They they came for the dukedom. They left with um, a, a participation trophy because <laughs> she really did. She was she was so, such a big deal in um, securing the peaceful transfer of power that she was like so respected in Brittany. So I think mm-hmm. the actual people of Brittany didn't fucking care who ruled. They just didn't want to send their sons and husbands into battle anymore. You know? Yeah. Right. It's like, can this shit be over now? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it was a big, t- the coordination was a big to do. Not everybody in Brittany was jazzed about having a woman being like the regent. But again, she just played this role. She walked that tightrope of powerful, but not too powerful, you know, um, well, I think what it was demure, but also a little bit hard. Like she just walked she, that tightrope. So I think the way that women did it at the time, and this is horribly sexist, is that they invested their time in their sons and their husbands and made it sound like it was coming from them yes. so that people would listen and be like, oh, my son said, and it's like, no, actually, mama said. Yes. I 100% agree with that. It's like she was like the puppeteer, but without like letting anyone know. But it, I just think she played that game so perfectly. She was just a really good regent, is what we're getting at, basically. Yeah. Um, her son, also, she made sure that her son made a powerful marriage alliance and had John married off to the king of france's daughter so and that's um that's isabeau bavaria's daughter as well what, and, was, um, her, what? What, was, yeah, what was the name what was uh god um, what was the name of her son john's new wife joan joan jesus christ everybody drink so this is like the fourth Joan and John coupling. <laughs> like, Jesus. Goddamn Christ. <laughs> ah! Give me some pasta. Oh my God, I need that on a t-shirt right now. <laughs> which which the, part? Jesus fucking Christ. I need some pasta right now. That's exactly what you said, right? No, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyway, really quarantine. Got that quarantine madness, quarantine madness. <laughs> I wrote a song. So Joan was doing really well as regent. And her son had actually like legally met his majority at the ripe old age of 12. (laughs) (laughs) But she like continued to act as regent at the time because girl, he was fucking 12. (laughs) Um, And Joan honestly could have lived the rest of her life. Just like chill and beloved in Brittany. Because she's rich as fuck girl. But but there's a big but she fell in love oh god damn it ruined her fucking regency by falling in love who who has that not happened to (laughs) we didn't mention earlier remember whenever we were at that wedding the wedding of isabel of valois and richard ii we said that who was they who were they marrying who was what who was there so richard ii and as a of England 
and Isabella of Valois, the princess of France, were getting married, and it happened in France. Well, there was almost certainly this guy known as Henry Bolingbroke there. Sounds very English. It does. Um, he (laughs) He is a first cousin of Richard II. That is the first time that we know for sure that Joan and Henry met. But they were both at this time um, married. They, but at this time after John of Brittany's death, um, they're both single. Both of their spouses have died and they become pen pals. Wait, what? And it turns out that there was some chemistry there. But since they were married before, there was nothing to do with that. But now that they're both single. Ready to mingle and have a lot of money. (laughs) Their letters start getting a little flirty. And then by the time when we're all caught up in this story, after she's had her son's coronation and everything, Henry Bolingbroke is king of England. Wait, what the, 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 the fuck? Okay, let me wrap, let me, let's tell this story as short <laughs> as possible. One more time, we, Katie, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> let's try to make this as concise as possible because we could do a whole episode. Shakespeare has done a whole episode on this. Did you know, actually, though, Joan is not mentioned in the Henry the Fourth Shakespeare play? Sexism, yes. I know. Or just, I don't know. Henry Bolingbroke is the first cousin of Richard II, King of England. Richard II becomes King of England when he's a little bitty baby. And what do we say about baby kings, Nathan? They fucking suck. Baby kings never end up being good adults. No, because you're just There's like... a couple of exceptions, but for the most part, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Boop! <laughs> They're bad. Richard nearly has Henry killed during this thing called the Peasants' Revolt that goes on when they were both teenagers. And after years and years and years of headbutting and passive-aggressive comments, Richard has Henry exiled. So Henry goes for the next few years and lives in France and even quite possibly Brittany. And while he's in exile, um, his dad died. So all the lands that should have gone to Henry and his offspring, Richard goes, no, those are mine now. Oh, hell no. That sounds like a fight. Right? (laughs) And so Henry is basically like, like if he would have just been like, fine, Henry's dad's lands go to Henry's children or something like that. It probably wouldn't have led to this, but Henry was just like, I'm fucking done with this shit, you know? So Henry stops that shit now, and mm-hmm. Richard left England to go on a progress to Ireland. And, like, bitch, he's unpopular as fuck, and it is at its height. If you're if you're a Patreon supporter of us, you've heard us talk about um, this part as well. Yeah. Like, with the... Um, Isabella Valois, like, episode and everything. So Henry storms in with his troops from friends he'd made in France and deposes Richard and says, No, bitch, I'm the king now, motherfucker. So that was... That's the shortest we can make that story. Pretty, (laughs) like... It's drama. Drama. It is drama. It is the talk of France or the talk of Europe. Like, can you believe this guy just strolled in and deposed the king and blah, blah, blah. So, guess but- what, Katie? There's still Joan. Joan yeah. Stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> yes. And this whole time, Joan and Henry have been like writing these really flirty letters to each other. And so, She's living the life like of the regent. She's rich. She's powerful. But now a king is in love with her. Yeah. In these letters, um, she's like, some of the letters that survive, like the flirtiness is, Um, one of them says that getting letters from him brought her very great joy and gladness of my heart. 
Ooh, that, uh, that sends a tingling down my little tingly. Um, I was basically like, you up? <laughs> so she also said, if anything that I can do over here will give you pleasure, I pray you let me know. Oh, steamy. Oh, girl. Girl, she, that may as well have been a dick pic. Yeah, I mean, it literally was a a 14th century version of a lit pit. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they They are. put it down and were like writing these like horny love letters. They are getting hot and heavy. So, um, eventually, one of Henry's dudes like shows up in a ship from England and he comes, he rocks up to where she is living and is like, hey, Joan, here's some jewelry from the King of England, Mm. which basically is a marriage proposal. Do not get me started on some dripping in jewels. Hello, (laughs) Guanzo! And that's where we'll leave you, dear listeners. We love you. cliffhanger you'll have to wait until next time unless you have the internet and you can find out what happened yourself but (laughs) (laughs) thank you you so much for listening guys thanks for listening guys yeah if you want to hear something just email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a really great Facebook discussion group. We'd love to see you over there, too. And if you're so inclined, we do have a Patreon account if you need more Queen's content in your life. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks okay. for listening, bitches. Cheers, bitches. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.